Thanks, guys. I, I love it when the uh, worship team, as they exit, tell me, don't mess it up this time. <laughs> we'll try to not mess it up this time. Well, we're doing what a lot of churches are doing on this first uh, Sunday of Advent. We're talking about pornography. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, it is certainly a relevant subject. The, um, did you know that porn is available on over 1,730,000,000 sexual sites on the internet. That's incredible. 32,500,000 free porn sites. One site alone gets 204 million visits per hour. That same site is being watched 4,392,000,000 hours a year. That's one site. It's a relevant subject. Um, you know, as soon as you open the pages of God's Word and begin to read, you encounter the, the subject of uh, God creating. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, we read these words. Uh, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what... He would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper. That word is so interesting. Um, it's a word that we find in, used of God himself being a helper. So it's not a diminutive term. It's not a term to diminish um, Eve in any way. It's actually a term talking about how perfectly she compliments and comes alongside and, and helps Adam and Adam helps Eve fulfill the very purpose for which they've been created. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and, and brought her to the man. And the man said, wow. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Which in Hebrew is a word that sounds very much like the word for man. So what you have going on here is Adam is realizing as soon as he beholds Eve that this is somebody who's made for him. She is a suitable helper. She is a perfect partner. And we continue to read, now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That little phrase there, this idea of them becoming one flesh is an interesting phrase. It's actually a, it's a reference to something that we all long for, deeply, deeply long for, and that is intimacy. Um, and it's something that didn't originate when God created Adam and Eve. Intimacy is something that actually is originally and ultimately found in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because nobody has the level of intimate relationship that they enjoy with each other in perfection for all of eternity. I was reading uh, in John 17, the high priestly prayer 
uh, some time ago, and, and there Jesus is praying for, for us, actually. He says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, he's talking about the day in which the disciples are going to preach the gospel and other people are going to believe, you know, people that didn't meet Jesus in person, face to face. He's talking about us. And he says, uh, I pray for them that those who become followers through the message that all of them may be one. There's that same idea again, oneness. All of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's so interesting. There's some connection in this thing of intimacy, how we reflect the love of the Father for the Son, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Somehow in our intimate relationships, we reflect that same love. We reveal this, uh, this type of love to the world, and the world then can believe that Indeed, there is a God, and, and he is a God of love. So this whole thing of human sexuality and intimacy, it's all mixed together. It's all very confusing, and that's why I'm not going to talk to you about it. <laughs> I've invited uh, Clint to be with us here this morning. Clint Clark is a licensed professional counselor and speaker, um, works with a ministry. He has his own counseling practice, but he also works with a ministry called Restoring the Soul. And um, that is a ministry that in particular works with uh, couples whose marriages are, are broken and need mending, need healing. Also people who've experienced abuse. And then in particular, I think a, a major focus of that ministry and his practice, his counseling practice, is this thing of addiction, uh, sexual addictions. Am I right so far? More right. or less? Okay, good. Uh, if you go to Clint's page where he kind of introduces himself, uh, he mentions the fact that uh, he is someone who himself has understood the, the freedom that comes with grace or the gospel. This is one of the things that made me want to invite Clint here because really this subject of pornography and this discussion that we're going to have this morning is only manageable. It's only something that can be addressed in a helpful way in the context of the gospel the good news of Jesus and Jesus laying down his life for us. Um, in this bio, it says, aside from pursuing his wife's heart, and Jen is here this morning. Clint is here with his wife. It's been a delight to meet her and get to know her too just a little bit. So that's one of the things he's up to, pursuing the heart of his wife. And if you know anything about relationship, that's the key to the marriage right there is pursuing the wife, pursuing the husband's heart, and likewise vice versa. He also has two teenagers, which makes that pursuing way more interesting, way more interesting. Uh, a 17-year-old daughter, I think, and a 15-year-old son. Uh, he likes fly fishing. He likes snowboarding. He likes camping and motorized trail riding, all of which he has no time for because he has two teenage children. Uh, no, I don't know that that's true, but uh, I'm just, just guessing. And he's a volunteer firefighter, and uh, they live up in the foothills, uh, up in Conifer, and uh, he said, also, you have too many pets. So we've invited him here to kind of straighten out this problem that he has with pets. <laughs> so let's give him a really warm, warm welcome as we invite Clint Clark up here on the platform with us. Let's welcome him. <laughs> we don't want to waste too much of our time, but uh, what's this pet deal? If, if we had land that wasn't on a slope, if it was flat, two acres, I swear I would probably come home and find like a giraffe. Is this Jin's problem? Is this or a problem? Or an elephant. Ah, oh, gotcha. Or, yeah. yeah. The dogs are my fault. All the other the variety are hers. Okay. Yeah. Are you a rescuer of animals? Ah, okay, okay. And strays. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, let's kick off our conversation this morning. And uh, what I asked you in the first service, I'll ask you again. When did you first uh, get interested in sex? <laughs> I'm no less prepared this service. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more prepared. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, when I was six, um, I was exposed to my dad's Playboy collection. Found it with my cousin. And he and I were three months apart and we're just enamored with all these images and it just sucked us in pretty deeply. And we were caught by his older brother and then paraded out in front of all the aunts and uncles and other family members wow. who were at the house and said, Ooh. guess what I caught these two doing? And I just wanted to die. <laughs> Is this a Christian family? No, not really at the time. Okay. Um, so it, there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt. There was still a lot of, you know, even without having um, a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. there was still a, a sense of this was wrong, this is bad, um, you can't do this. And so... Be what better to, than to bring you out in front of the whole family? Exactly, yeah. and shame us openly. And because of that, um, just went inside myself and began to hide it, um, hide that there was something there that I knew was exciting, but no conversation afterwards with mm -hmm. anybody. My parents or anybody said, hey, let's talk about this. It was, you know, just don't. Um, it's bad. And if you get caught, you will be humiliated and shamed. And so wow. just disappeared and, and, and grew in that darkness over decades. So that's, that's interesting. What was your experience growing up with the church? Did you have some experience in the church? And was that helpful to you uh, with, this, with this particular issue. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the church didn't help. Uh, in second grade, we moved from Illinois and from Chicago area to Miami where I grew up and um, had to join a church to go to the Christian private school that my parents had chosen. And so they just kind of threw a dart and ended up being a PCA church right around the corner. That's Presbyterian Church in America. That's what we are. <laughs> um, so I grew up in the, in the Reformed Faith, grew mm -hmm. up going to Christian high school, um, Sunday school, youth group, all of that. And unfortunately, what I got more than anything was don't stop, no, <laughs> bad um, when it came to... Anything. Not conversation, it sounds like. No, not at all. It was, you know, these are bad things and you don't do them. And we don't talk about them if you struggle with them or if you do do them. And so it just kind of fed that fear and that um, anxiety over if I ever get caught again, if I ever get exposed again, um, I'll be shamed. I'll be mm -hmm. embarrassed. I'll, um, I'll lose everything. And, and that continued on until, unfortunately, um, it got exposed in some pretty um, significant ways and blew apart, almost blew apart my marriage um, and had to recover from that. But, but it really grew... Um, in fear and shame. So what Clint's bringing up here, I hope you feel how big of a problem this is for us in churches. Because you see, in churches, we have pet sins. We have certain sins that we deem to be way worse than other sins. Sins about which you're really not free to talk about because if you do, you're stigmatized. And um, that is a terrible problem. What that does is that leaves anyone who's wrestling with a sin that, quite frankly, um, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm going to say that every man in this room 
has been tempted by and probably used pornography at some level. And every woman, or, or actually it's about 50% of women, if the statistics are correct. It's you have growing. another statistic, and that's growing, uh, have also dabbled with pornography. Now, understand, we're talking about other churches, <laughs> not here, <laughs> right? You're wrong, yeah. No, that's, we're talking about this church, talking about us, talking about how we wrestle. So this is a huge problem. But you know what? What makes it a, a huger problem is that you really can't talk about it, not in a church. Because if you do, you're going to have all kinds of um, probably shame that you experience. Um, uh, so one of the questions I had for is, uh, how does the church and sex go together? Yeah. And maybe the problem is they don't. But <laughs> the problem is they haven't. Okay. Um, I think, like we said earlier, I'm just so uh, excited that Deer Creek is, is taking this leap and this risk and pushing this out on into the center stage and out front because in silence, in hiddenness, in fear, in shame, it just grows. And it is epidemic, um, not just in secular circles, but also in the church. Um, again, we have plenty of studies and statistics that are showing that the difference between a church, a Bible-based believing community, and a secular community, is it's statistically not that different. And so not talking about it in the church continues to feed these lies and these um, misinformation that the enemy is using to kind of um, continue to win this war on the front line of sexual addiction, compulsion, pornography, use, and abuse. Um, and without the church kind of being the leader and saying, hey, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about it in healthy ways. We're not just going to say, don't stop, no. Um, this is bad. You know, we're not going to just... That's my last question. How do you battle with pornography? And, you know, the answer is just stop it. <laughs> there. We got to the end. We're done. Good. We're done. Okay. <laughs> You understand, though, again, this is a huge point that Clint is making, and uh, we have to become a community where in appropriate contexts and in appropriate ways we can talk about this. Otherwise, you live in shame and isolation. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you, what is God's intent for human sexuality? Why, what, what's going on? Why, the, uh, why did he make us male and female, and why this attraction? And Yeah. Yeah. We, as a society, as a culture, have, have turned sex into something that it was never created to be. It wasn't created to be the end-all, be-all. It wasn't created to be this, um, you know, exciting physical activity that, you know, people do together. It was created to be, in the context of marriage, um, a fulfillment of a covenant and also this outpouring of, of love and selflessness mm -hmm. and and a, a fuller picture of two becoming one flesh and deep, deep, profound intimacy and connection. Um, there's varying levels of intimacy, emotional intimacy and connection, and, and the fulfillment of that knowing um, my spouse and being known by them and, and, uh, and seen completely is sexual intimacy and sexual connection. Um, marriage was created to reflect the Trinity, mm -hmm. you know, to becoming one. God is the head, 
three and one. And, and so the fulfillment of, you know, God's covenant and God's picture and, and, and who God is comes through marriage and through that connection and through that um, picture of, of what the Trinity looks like. You use an interesting language there, covenant. You know, uh, we've discussed that here before. And, of course, what a marriage is, it's a covenant relationship. It's where promises are made. And, uh, and I suppose, would you agree that intimacy can really, the ultimate intimacy uh, or the deepest intimacy is only safely expressed in the context of promises, the context of marriage. That's why God mm -hmm. says, you know, this is something special. It's a gift to a husband, a gift to a wife. But if I'm single, can I even experience intimacy? Absolutely. Um, and that takes trust and promises and things like that because intimacy is being known, being seen by someone else, being authentic in relationship with someone else. Um, and singleness is, is the preparation for um, marriage and hopefully, um, if that's what God has for people. But it, it's an opportunity to grow that trust in God in patience and in waiting. Um, some people have to wait longer than others and it's, it's even a bigger trial, but there's, there's still a level of intimacy with God that can grow exponentially mm -hmm. in that time, but also with others. Um, how do I share my story? How do I share who I am? How do I get to that place where I'm known by others authentically and I know others authentically? So I can deepen an intimacy as a single person without sexual expression. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is a, just a one-off, but, you know, it occurs to me that most young people today growing up, if, if they heard us say, you know, sex is only properly expressed in the context of marriage, they would say, you're absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, what, what would you say to somebody who expressed that? <sighs> yeah, that's a, that's a big loaded question. Um, but it, it, we, we have such a consumer culture that sex especially is a consumer product um, and it's something that is bought and sold and commoditized in, in friendships and relationships and marriages and that's not how God created it to be. Um, when we're in that place of don't stop, no, we make it this thing, um, we miss talking about what sex and intimacy really is and why wait and why it's so important to to keep it in the context of marriage that wait that there there are really important reasons for waiting and for singleness and virginity and in, in, in moving that into a marriage and holding that as precious and dear that we don't talk about that that this is a gift and it's not something to be just kind of thrown around my understanding is I read scripture and I've looked at you know my own story and and recovery from pretty severe sexual addiction and compulsion is that I, I missed out on so much that God had for me through just treating this like it was no big deal. Um, like it, it could just be with anyone for any reason that, that I didn't just solely for your own pleasure. Right. And, no. and, and very selfish, very self-focused, self-fulfillment, self-gratifying in my own needs and, and not about sex and sexuality is really about giving. It's about offering, surrendering who we truly are, our strength, our vulnerability. This is our huge. Hearts. This is huge right here. Say, say that again. Sex is about 
surrender. It's about surrendering who we are in context and in relationship with another person who's surrendering themselves. So that's a one human way in the context of marriage to express or to move towards ultimate intimacy. Ultimate might be the wrong word. Just move towards deeper intimacy. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what, what, what in the first service, you, uh, you took us down a path that I thought was really interesting. You, you talked about, I don't remember what question I asked. Maybe I didn't ask a question. Maybe you were just, you know, going on. But, the, uh, <laughs> I could but it was that. a good point. And it had to do with the, the, the life of Jesus and the gospel, that he himself moves in our direction, you said, in intimacy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not sexual intimacy. But what did Jesus moving in our direction with intimacy look like? Well, perfect surrender. I mean, he, he surrendered himself on the cross, ultimately paying for all of our sins through death um, and then spending three days in hell for us in surrender, not in power, not in strength, not in taking back control of, of the world, and, you know, but through surrender and through giving up of himself. Um, I mentioned the first service, you know, I, the verse I talk about in counseling that I hate the most is, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oof. I mean, that expectation, that bar is so huge, but that's, that's it. What does it look like to surrender um, as best I can in my flesh to my wife and love her the way Christ loved us and, and my wife to, to look at, at marriage and this relationship as a place of surrender um, and through surrendering my needs and her surrendering her needs, meeting each other in that, in that vulnerable, exposed place. It's, it's scary. So <laughs> why that, that grabs me, uh, and it really that grabs me because the gospel, the thing that changes my life most deeply is when I reflect on or am suddenly caught up with the truth that here is a God who pursued me in my sin, pursued me and surrendered and sacrificed. And, and when I sit on and reflect on those kinds of things, that elicits a supernatural desire in me to want to be transformed, to want to be different, to want to become like that God. You're saying that in human relationships, the same thing happens to move us towards intimacy. It's that surrender, it's that sacrifice that those things spell love maybe in bigger letters than anything else. And, mm-hmm. and it's in that context that intimacy moves forward. And then sexual intimacy sort of should result as a result of all those things or don't, I'm putting words in your mouth. No, that's point. fine. I'm a good so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. in God's design and God's economy, sexual intimacy was made to flow out of emotional intimacy okay. and connection. Okay. And deep emotional intimacy and connection, being known for who I am, taking off those fig leaves and being seen naked and vulnerable and exposed emotionally before I ever take off a piece of clothing um, is imperative building block and foundation towards moving towards what it truly means to have a healthy, you know, um, God-ordained sexual relationship in the covenant marriage. Okay. Okay. Are we okay so far? We haven't said anything naughty. <laughs> you know, that, so having said what we've said so far, it, the, the question comes to mind then, what, uh, what harm is porn? I mean, it, it's, it's just me and myself, right? Yeah. What harm is porn? Yeah, that's one of the largest um, lies out there that you know, this is a victimless crime, so to speak, or, or this, this quiet 
sin only, it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't affect anybody but me. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the big deal? And of course, um, through sexual, secular circles in the world, you know, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. And the sad thing is it's, it's far more damaging than anybody has ever understood and known because it affects us on kind of all levels of our humanity. It affects us physically. Um, we're getting to know that, getting to see that more because we're being able to study the brain more and neurotransmitters um, and how early exposure to pornography and early um, exposure to, you know, multiple images and things like that changes the chemistry of our brain. It changes how our bonding agent oxytocin gets released. I mean, it really is changing our brains in, in kind of structural fundamental levels that take years, sometimes decades to undo, especially if, if the exposure's young. And so physically, it's changing our brain chemistry. It's changing how our brains operate sexually. And that's no good. I mean, the largest growing section of men struggling with erectile dysfunction are college-age men. Wow. And the problem is, well, one of the issues is they can't take one of these drugs that you see, you know, people sitting in bathtubs looking at beautiful scenery Mm -hmm. to fix the problem because it's not an issue of blood flow. It's a neurochemical issue that a real human interaction can't stimulate a, a brain the way, you know, the amount of images and and videos and stuff that somebody can consume looking at a screen as quickly as I can. A, a, a real physical woman can't meet that stimulation level of the brain. So brain chemistry and our brains are being deeply... So wait a minute. Also, all I heard you say was that 30-year-olds have a bigger problem with erectile dysfunction than older men. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay. Keep going. okay. Um, <laughs> Glad we got this clear. <laughs> But it's huge, and, and, you know, we're getting now scientific studies that are showing this isn't just a moral issue or a moral failing, which for ever, you know, the church was saying, oh, that's just, you know, you being too uptight when it comes to sex and sexuality. No, it is changing our brains. It is making structural changes to the brain, and it's damaging for decades for people. So, emotionally. Okay. Right. Yep. You're good. Physical. Yep. Okay. What's happening emotionally? <laughs> emotionally. Or relationally. Whatever. Emotionally, relationally, it um, damages our, our intimate relationship with a spouse, even friendships and um, our community because it causes isolation, causes us to move away from real intimacy and authentic intimacy and connection. Um, Explain and, that dynamic. How does it create isolation? Does it- well, all, all addiction and compulsion is isolating in and of itself. Um, it, it causes us to go into ourselves and try to meet our own needs by our, our own um, ways and means, you know. Uh, it draws us away from, from sitting down and talking about the harder things. Like, hey, you know, here's my life. I'll go medicate myself and, and pour my brains out, so to speak. Um, rather than do real life and do intimacy and do relationship. In marriage, I can go meet my needs sexually through looking at pornography or, or um, you know, I'm taking matters into my own hands, mm-hmm. quite literally, mm-hmm. and, and moving away from my spouse. I don't have to do the hard work of, of moving towards my wife and saying, hey, 
how, how's your heart? I don't have to do intimacy and connection. I have to be vulnerable and exposed to maybe her not being in the, in the mood or me not being in the mood. We don't have to, to get to that place of awkward mm. conversation, of hard intimacy. I, I just go away and take care of it by myself um, rather than do that hard work of intimacy. You know, is, can you talk at all, Clint, about the... How satisfying is that? Okay, so you, you have a, uh, an experience using porn. Um, is that a good, long-lasting satisfaction? I mean, what are the dynamics of that? Is that it, it, I would think some addictions, you know, draw you into deeper and deeper waters of addiction. So Yeah. All addictions have a component to them of tolerance, where what worked for me today didn't, or, you know, what worked for me yesterday doesn't work for me today. What works for me today won't work tomorrow, so to speak. So, so there is an escalation there's thing an, going on. There's an escalation often, you know, again, my story of being exposed to, you know, uh, images in a magazine when I was six went into, by the time I was fully exposed, a full-blown affair. Um, and pornography on the computer with movies and, and all those, you know, types of things. And then an escalation of what I was looking at, going from, you know, harmless bikini pictures to more and more graphic, even sexual contact, contact and even sometimes dangerous things. I, you know, meet men all the time who are really good men with really good hearts who are caught up looking at things that they're, they're just horrified that, oh my gosh, I, I really watched this. I really looked at these images. I've really pursued these images. What's wrong with me? I'm just so disgusting and such an awful person because I've, I've gone to this extent. I've looked at these things. Rather than, that's tolerance. Because, hmm. you know, the Sports so more Illustrated... more isolation through all this. Absolutely. The Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition didn't do it for me anymore. I had to go to this extent. And I've drawn lines in the sand and in my own story, and the men that I work with all the time, you know, well, I'll never do this. Well, I'll never look at that. Well, I'll never, and, you know, big, huge line in the sand for me. Oh, I'll never have an affair. That's new. That, that is new. And finding myself on the other side of that line going, how did I get here? How disgusting, how despicable, how awful I am. And it doesn't justify, it doesn't, doesn't excuse my choices and behaviors, but it, it brings context to this growing beast mm -hmm. in my story and in, in hiddenness and in isolation that was just out of control that ended tragically in this place that oh my gosh I, I've got to rebuild a marriage and relationship and friendships because this hiddenness this this sin has just railroaded my entire life and so physically your brain needs more um, stimulation needs uh, more graphic stimulation often um, so the tolerance builds, and, and over time, yeah, it gets, it gets way out of control. And then spiritually, it draws us out of connection, out of intimacy with God. Because so many of us often have heard how God hates sin and how God hates adultery. And, and you mentioned in the first service, Jesus' words about the Sermon on the Mount, you mentioned, lusting yeah. after a woman. Yeah, it, you know, any man who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. Well... Gosh, now I'm an adulterer because I looked at some images online and I did this and this and this. And so why would God want to do intimacy and connect with me? And so now I'm even farther away mm -hmm. from God. And I can't even think about praying until I 
fix this, till I get rid of this sin, till I clean up my side of the street. God's not going to want to have anything to do with me. And that, that was a big part of my story growing up with don't stop, no, being mm-hmm. kind of these hallmark mantras of... And that what, message, would you say you heard most loudly and clearly coming from the church? Oh, absolutely. Don't stop, no. Absolutely. No. And it was, it was more about stopping behavior and stopping sin than it was about, hey, there's a God over here that loves you completely, without question, loves you dearly and wants to do intimacy and relationship with you and is pursuing you and has been pursuing you passionately. Um, Not because you got all your stuff together, Mm -hmm. but because he loves you. He Mm -hmm. created you. And the messages of don't stop, no, got so loud that I I couldn't move towards him. Mm -hmm. There was no way. I was too too black, Mm -hmm. too dirty, too much. Couple of things. So, so number one, uh, here's here's a big one that occurs to me. Um, so, making use of porn. Uh, there, there's no such thing as digitally safe sex, right? No, because it's going to affect you physically. It's going to affect you emotionally, relationally. It's going to affect you spiritually. And uh, one other thought occurs to me that we, as a community, if we are going to have any ability to bring the gospel and grace and change and transformation to people, uh, we have to be coming from a place of, of really practicing sort of what we preach. We want to be a people who are not perfect and what? Do you know the rest of that? That was a test. We are a people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Yeah. Doesn't mean we contentedly sit in our sin, but... Uh, we sure don't want to become a pretentious community. We have to be able to talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. find ways to talk about it and places to talk about it. Uh, I'm curious. The challenge of uh, handling sexuality has always been around. Never been a time in human history uh, that uh, th- this, these issues we're talking about weren't prevalent. In fact, I did read one time that the, the most lucrative thing ever printed on the Gutenberg press was not the Bible. It was porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but are we affected in any spe- special or new ways given the, given the accessibility with, with our digital life? How, what would you say about that? Yeah, I, I think the advent of the internet has done more, obviously, to, um, to push this forward than anything else. As you talked about the, web, the website information that, you know, pornography is now anonymous, affordable, and accessible. To um, everybody. Everybody's got any, a phone. Or you've got a screen of any way, shape, or form. It used to be, you know, it went from, had to go risk going into one of those stores and, or going into and asking for that magazine behind the counter or something like that to now, you know, we're, we've all got access in our pockets for the most part. Very mm-hmm. few people don't have mm-hmm. access even in their pockets. And you don't even have to have a, a computer. You can just have access on your phone. And so the enemy has used um, the information age to push this out pretty, pretty drastically um, and, and kind of watered down that, that there's an impact and that there's damage being done. What do you mean by that, that that's watered down? Um, well, the Barna Group uh, has just put out a study in January where it showed that Adolescents, 13 to 24, and young adults um, have now gotten to the point where 54%, somewhere in there, 
don't believe that there's any problem or issue with pornography or viewing pornography or pornographic sexually explicit images at all. And so that's pretty watered down and it's not just in the church, it's just in general, that age demographic, men, boys and girls, um, really you're starting to see that there's no problem with it. And the fact is that they're, they're missing so much more data and information that, oh my gosh, this is deeply impacting us emotionally, physically, spiritually. Hmm. So how do I stop watching porn? Just stop it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Let's pray. Um, yeah. Just um, pray harder? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, pray harder, you know, all those things. I, I, I wish that it wasn't easy. Um, here's five healthy steps to quitting your porn uh, use and addiction, but it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. Um, Michael Cusick, a uh, dear friend that I work with at Restoring the Soul, wrote a book called Surfing for God. Mm -hmm. It's a phenomenal book about pornography use and sexual addiction and compulsion. has his story in it. Um, we're we're kind of getting a workbook out for it. But, but it's about not just stopping behavior, which we, we see as like the tip of the iceberg, the mm -hmm. pornography and things like that, but, but looking what's going on below the waterline, what's driving these choices and behaviors, what's pushing us towards these things, rather than just don't stop, no, which is an important component of recovery. I mean, I, I couldn't have gotten to this place in my story without fighting to, to get some level of sobriety when it came to pornography and sexual sin. However, that wasn't the end all be all. Um, in the church, far more often than not, we've made it this gospel of sin management. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if yeah. I'll just stop this, then everything will be okay rather than, right, no, God doesn't want us to just stop that sin, but he wants us to repent, turn away from it. But what are we turning towards? Can I stop you there? Yeah. So he wants us to repent. Uh, would it be fair to say he wants us to practice repenting? Mm -hmm. Because here's what I think happens a lot of times. People will get together in an accountability group, right, which is a great thing. But what happens in an accountability group is, hey, Clint, you know, I've been using pornography. I need you to hold me accountable. Will you? Absolutely. Of course he will. He's going to pray for me. And a couple times he's going to ask me, How, how's that going? How's that problem in your life going? I'm praying for you. And I'm going to say, going great, man. It's going great. But then it's not going great. And then he asked me again. And now what am I going to say? Oh, I'm back wrestling with that problem. And now I'm going to decide to lie. And now I've become a good liar in my accountability group. And now I'm going to really stress over even going or having any kind of accountability. So if, if we make our accountability groups or with women, women, men and men and so on, if we make them just just a reporting type of venue and not a conversational kind of venue, it becomes really hard, Yeah, really hard to say, you know what? I haven't kicked this. I'm still wrestling. I need the gospel. And that's what I mean by practicing repentance. Right. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, yeah. and not being about sin management. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'm struggling. Okay, let's have a conversation. Let's move into that rather than, you know, well, dang it. It's been how long we've been meeting and you're still not over this yet? Rather than, no. So the yeah. conversation becomes about? About your heart, about what's going on below the waterline and this big iceberg that's, that's taken over your life. How's your heart? What's going on below, you know, in your relationships? What, how, how are things with your spouse and your, in your friendships? How are things at work? Can we talk about that stuff that's below the waterline? But also, again, not just stopping the behavior but and turning away from 
and repenting, but turning, what am I turning towards? Yeah, that's huge. What am I moving towards that's good? Because that was a huge piece that was missing in my recovery early on too, was I was so focused on don't stop, no, looking at porn, doing these, making these choices and behaviors. It was still in control in a lot of ways. I was, it was still, about you contr- find, trying to control this. I was no. still hyper-focused on no. not looking at porn, which it was important, but wasn't the point. What am I moving towards? God wants to know, how are you moving towards me? How are you moving deeper into intimacy and relationship that is fulfilling, that is life-giving? What are you doing with that stuff that's below the waterline that kind of drives those cycles of behavior and those choices that are addictive and destructive? Not just stopping that, but but what are you going towards? What's good? What's filling those places that uh, obviously are desperate for more um, that you so desire? So some of the things more. that we use to fill it would be Black Friday shopping, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, yeah, cookies, porn, porn's porn, in there, porn works, buying stuff, work, gambling, any number of things, drugs, alcohol. We can use anything as human beings. We grab onto these attachments where we try to medicate or manage or deal with our life apart from God, and we shove all these things into this God-shaped hole in the center of our being, and they never satisfy, and they will never satisfy. And so we turn away, and we also start pursuing what is life-giving? What does fill this space? What does bring life? What does bring true intimacy and connection Mm -hmm. um, with God and with others, rather than this false intimacy and connection that comes from pornography or other various sources? Uh, just this is the throwback to something we were talking about earlier. It just occurred to me. Is there anything out there worth reading um, that would be uh, educational, helpful, encouraging to uh, someone who's uh, not yet married to to uh, be abstinent sexually until you know such a time as they are married? Yeah, I don't have those. <laughs> have you read Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage? There's a chapter in there. I'm, I'm thinking. About the yeah, effect. That's a good one. Is that a good one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, God loves sex, which is Allender, Dan Allender, yeah. and Tremper Longman's okay. new book. Okay. Is is a great book on human sexuality and why. You know, again, when I was growing up, I didn't get the whys of true love waits. I just yeah. was told it does. Yeah. Well, why? Don't ask that. Just no. Stop. Don't. Okay. Don't feel. Don't have desire. Don't. Especially in that way, that's mm-hmm. just wrong. Just stop it. And so, educating and understanding. Well, why? What's the importance behind that? Mm-hmm. What What is the the point of of abstinence and staying pure in those ways? Because there is one. There's, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful picture of of God and who God is and what He calls us to in marriage and in relationship. That often gets met, missed in the don't stop no kind of mentality of sex and human sexuality. God made sex. He made it good for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the enemy wants to take, again, what God made is good and take some lies and put some lies in, in and around the truth, just like he did in the garden with the mm-hmm. apple, and said, mm, that's, he didn't really mean that. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you don't have to truly wait till marriage. Um, because, you know, here's some lies to, to mix in around the truth that sex is really good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, this is also going back to something you said a moment ago. You know, you, you were listing some ways that we self-medicate. 
It's interesting to me that in the church, we can talk about almost all of those ways. You have a problem shopping? You know, let's talk about it. You have a problem gambling? Let's talk about it. You have a problem eating too much chocolate or, or gluttony, overeating, you know, let, let's talk about it. Drugs, alcohol. You have a problem with sexual abuse or sexual addiction? <whistles> let's not talk about it. Yeah. And that seems to me to be something that we need to find ways to change in the culture of our church, of Absolutely. the church, capital C. And, and I think because of years of not talking about it and its hiddenness and fear and insecurity, because there are a lot of pastors who don't have the guts to have a Sunday after Thanksgiving to talk about porn. This will become our <laughs> annual tradition. Um, just letting you know. Anyhow. Um, but there are so many churches that are so afraid of this. This is messy. This is really messy. But the reality is the gospel is for the messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's a great point. So again, how do I stop watching porn? You were, you were taking us down that path. Oh, we were going that way. Yeah, we were. <laughs> stop. No. Um, so it's, it's, again, not just stopping the behavior. It's looking at that root core stuff, what's going on below the waterline. It's building authentic relationships and accounts. And that's that healthy accountability thing. Right. And like we talked about in the first service, I love the way Michael in his book, Surfing for God, kind of lays out three types of accountability. There's cop accountability, which only lasts so long because you get told you're bad and you're, you know, wrong and you broke the law and you know, here's your sentence. Mm-hmm. Eventually you, you do go, I don't want to tell him that again. So I start becoming a really good elaborate liar. There's coach accountability, which has its place and is really good to have somebody who's been there before and give you some, some ideas of how to, you know, maybe put some barriers and things in place and how to coach you along in, in getting to some of the deeper pieces. And that's important. But what we like to talk about is cardiologist accessibility. Do That's I cool. have somebody in my life that has deep access to my heart? And, and usually it's not just one person, my spouse, but also do I have a few guys who, mm-hmm. who can sit, who I have given access to the deeper parts of my heart, who can say, hey, Clint, what's going on? And that's not a conversation just about porn. That's about the whole range of human experience and you know, right. what's happening inside. And it, it may start with porn. Yeah. It may start with, hey, Clint, how, how you doing? I'm really struggling with a lot of temptation this week. Really? Huh. Well, how's your heart? What's, what's going on in your heart? Well, how, how's, how are things with Jen? How are things with your kids? How are things at work? Um, hey, you're, you're speaking at a church on porn. How are you feeling about that? Um, a little exposed. Going to tell my story a little bit, you know. Yeah. Gosh, makes me nervous. Makes me feel a little insecure at times. Oh, well, let's talk about that. What's going on in that insecurity? What's going on in that fear? Oh, there's the root core. There's the place where most of our acting out sexual sin behavior gets driven into. I got to medicate this because I don't want to talk about. It. I want to get emotionally naked with my buddy and talk about my heart. That's scary. You know, that's, that's vulnerable. I don't want to tell him I'm feeling insecure. Who does that? We're men. We're strong men. Now, real strength comes in an ability to do real authentic intimacy with some other, other people. So we've been talking. We had a series of life together where we were encouraging everyone to connect in life groups. But even uh, beyond that and deeper than that, uh, connecting, you know, women with women, uh, developing the kind of connectedness where you can do the, what'd you call it, cardi? 
cardiologist accessibility. There you go. We're a, a revelation of the heart with a, a soul sister or, or brother or critical things. We're, uh, we're out of time. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, just, just uh, Clint has a, a counseling practice um, and uh, is always uh, about the business of uh, helping individuals who process addictions in this area. Uh, Clint is someone for you to talk to. Um, I'm available. Um, I ask questions. Um, that was a joke, people. I mean, <laughs> uh, a bad one, I'll admit. But uh, um, and. and uh, we as a church want to be a place. We, we have people, uh, men and women, uh, in, in this church who have processed some of the issues that we are talking about, and uh, we can easily connect people with some of those people. If you're in a place this morning where you'd want someone to talk to or to pray with, we are certainly available for that. But, uh, Clint, you have some cards or anything? I do. Uh, why don't we uh, put some on the stage over here where people could... Anonymously. Anonymously get them, yeah, as they walk to the front. and uh, <laughs> Or I could just do this. Cards go. available. Yeah, we could do that if you want. But. It's always good to be, you know, labeled the porn guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We uh, thank you for being with us this morning and helping us have this conversation. Anytime. And um, would you give Clint a, a hand for being with us and being honest? Yeah. And, uh, well, and a, and a hand for the leadership of this church for taking the risk and putting it out there, because that's huge. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll let you go. Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, we know that part of being a community together uh, is about becoming more like Jesus himself. There isn't anybody who has loved us like Jesus. Mm with his sacrifice of his life, with his long-suffering spirit, with um, the way he administers truth uh, into our lives. And we just uh, want in areas like this also, God, to be moving in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. So help us to have the connectedness that we need, healthy relationships. Help us to be a community of grace. Mm -hmm. And by that, God, we don't mean where we just say, hey, everything's okay. That's not what we're saying. But, but where we just systematically remind ourselves that we need to move in Jesus' direction, apply his truth in our life, and let it work down deeply so that we become transformed. Thank you for ministries and people like Clint, like Jen, and pray your blessing on, uh, on him and his counseling. And we pray, Father, for anyone in our community here who's really in bondage to some of the things that we've been talking about. We pray for that man, that woman, that they would find release, that they would find freedom, that they would find salvation in the sense of uh, understanding how Jesus' gospel can set them free. Thank you for being here among us this morning, Lord, and for speaking to us. In all of this, we we give you praise that we can talk openly and honestly about a subject like this. And, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.